the final week of coffee mug Christianity. Man, that just sounds crazy, doesn't it? Coffee mug Christianity. What exactly is coffee mug Christianity? And, and throughout this series, we've been looking at these verses or a single verse or a piece of a verse that, that we tend to use in our life. And, and because it means so much to us, we'll put it on this coffee mug or maybe on a t-shirt or even on a bumper sticker on our car. You know? and, and what we do is we, we take these verses and it makes us feel good. And there's really nothing wrong with us feeling good about it, but sometimes we take it out of context. And then what happens when we take it out of context, it becomes the theology in our life. And although there's nothing wrong with the verse itself, maybe the way that we look at it because we're not looking at it in the full context, that it's actually wrong and we're doing it injustice and it's not really what God had to say. And the verses that we have today as I was looking at it, I can honestly say that I have never ever seen the verse that we're going to be looking at today on a coffee mug. I've never, I've just never seen it there. However, what I will tell you is versions of what points towards the scripture, oh, we see all the time. We, we see versions of it that point towards it. We see that all the time. And I can let you know if you've ever argued with someone on social media, if you've ever argued with someone in person, you've probably heard one of the two phrases that I'm going to say. It's not actually the verse, but it points towards the verse. But before I give you them two phrases, let's look at the verse. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. The verse of the day is going to be Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. But as I've said each week, we're not just going to read one verse because, boy, we could take that verse out of context. So, But to start out, we're just going to read the one verse, and then we'll get into the rest of it later on during the message. So if you have your Bibles, you got it open to Matthew 7, 1. Let's go ahead and read. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. One whole verse. Now, what is interesting is what you've probably heard or seen on a coffee mug t-shirt. I've actually seen it tattooed on somebody. Only God can judge me. Right? We've seen that. Or don't judge me. You know, it's them go-to verses. And they turn and basically go back to Matthew 7, 1. It kind of takes you back to that point. And I think it's interesting because you get this idea is Matthew 7, 1, just the way to end an argument. Is it the trump card of arguments? I'm arguing with Patty, Matthew 7, 1, and I'm good. I can walk away. Now, I will let you know, men in the house, don't ever try that with your wives. Because as soon as you go Matthew 7, 1, you're going to see how long you sleep on the couch. Okay, because Matthew 7, 1 is not the end all to arguments. But unfortunately, that's what you hear when you're in an argument or you don't judge me. Only God can judge me. And it's like this trump card to get you out of the argument. I win. I win because you can't judge me and you're being judgmental. But is that really what the verse means? Is it really what God's saying here? And, you know, as we look at this, how do we apply this in our lives? And how does this help with our relationships? If we're just going to Matthew 7, 1, everybody, 
How are we ever going to get constructive criticism? How are we ever going to grow as Christians and as Christ followers if we just Matthew 7, 1, everyone? You know, I think when we really look at what God's word says, I think he's not telling us that we can't judge. We should judge one another as brothers and, Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, not as the ultimate judge. And that's where we get into the problem. A lot of times we want to be that ultimate judge. Now, God will judge each one of us. He will be the judge on the throne the day that we meet him. We're not the judge. He will be the judge. So that part of the statement you can say is true that we read this morning. But I think to better understand it, we need to get the full context of what the text is actually saying. You know, and, and as I was looking at this idea of judging, because Lord knows we've all judged somebody. And we've all been judged. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah, I mean, if you haven't judged someone, raise your hand. I didn't think so. How many people in here have been judged? Amen. Hey, and if you're with us online, with our church online, and, and you've been judged or have judged someone, give me an amen in, this, in the little chat column. Give me an amen. I want to make sure you're involved in this conversation today. You see, because we all have people who speak into our lives. We have people who speak into our lives each and every day, and, and some are very judgmental when they do it, and some are not. You know, I can honestly remember the people who, as, as I've grown in my, my faith and interned under different pastors and just different people over the years, I've been judged, and I've received some I've received some, uh, how can I say it? I've received some not so nice words. <laughs> and, and ultimately what's interesting is you get this constructive criticism in your life. Most of us can remember some of the good. We remember some of the good things that helped build us up over the years. But boy, we remember the bad, right? If you're anything like me, you probably remember the bad, the judgmental on you more than you remember the good said about you. Because I know I'm that way, and I can go back to when I was a kid and remember things that were said to me as a kid if I did something wrong. And I can remember as an adult, as I was growing up, I can remember, I, it's funny how we remember the bad and not all the good. And you ever notice the bad always seems to be really judgmental? And how many times have we done that to our own kids? Or maybe our own grandkids? And we've judged them on something that we've done ourselves. Well, maybe we've even done worse. You know, but we'll, we'll tend to judge them. And what happens is when we start to do that, we get this air of superiority over people. And then you tend to stand over them and you start looking down on people. And you start to criticize their actions. And you just keep going over and over again on these people. And you're basically acting like you're the judge. You're the judge and the jury. And the only one who can be a judge and a jury is someone who has no sin, which is none of us. None of us. You know, and as we look at the context of this, I think what we're going to see is, is that Jesus' concern isn't that much about, isn't so much about the judgment. It's more about the attitude that we have during that. Let me say that again. His concern is not so much about the judgment as it is about the attitude 
that comes with our judgment because attitude is everything. And if we're not careful, we become very judgy people. And each of us knows someone who's judgy in our life. Every one of us, and husbands, do not be pointing at your wives. I told you, you're going to get in trouble. I don't want to see this in church. <laughs> I'm not going to point out the name, Rick. No. <laughs> but we can't be judging in church. And when you actually look back at this Greek, the Greek word for judgment that Jesus is talking about, it actually means to condemn or to punish. So when you're judging someone, you're actually condemning them of something. You're punishing them for something that they did. And I believe that we find as we go through these moments in our life, um, as we go through these relationships, we're always going to remember the people who judged us. We're always going to remember what they said. And remember, it's not about the judgment itself. It's more geared towards our attitude when it comes to that judgment. Can we do it in a loving and caring way? Because if we're loving and caring, we're not really being judgmental. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we should be able to come and talk to each other in a loving and caring way and not trying to be judge and jury. Amen? Amen. So let's go ahead. Let's read this full context of what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And it reads like this. Do not judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye? Hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Amen? Amen. So, so in, like I said, we need to look no further than social media to see this scripture play out. You don't have to look any farther than, than just scrolling through Facebook or Twitter or just look at the comments on a news article to see how this is played out. People will judge and bash people for what they believe, for what they're saying. And if anyone speaks harshly or disagrees with you, you're quick to jump on them. And we discussed this back in our series called Screens, how we tend to forget that the person on the other side of that keyboard, the other side of that screen, is a real life person. And we tend to forget that, and we got these keyboard commandos that are out there just firing hate through the internet. And as you fire that, hey, you don't realize that the person on the other side of that keyboard or screen may be a brother and sister in Christ. And meanwhile, we're judging them harshly because they may not agree with what we have to say. So instead of taking it in for what it's worth and allowing people to have opinions, we judge everyone for what they, for what they say or what they do. And, and you know, I, I think it's interesting that God seems to have this creativity for when we're going to stand in front of him on the day of judgment, because all of us will, even as Christ followers, stand before him. And part of the equation, it appears, is the standards that we judged others. That's quite an equation, huh? How have we judged others? You know, if we're quick to condemn others and do it without mercy, 
You think we'd kind of deserve the same thing when we stand before God? That we're going to get this quick judgment, no more. But what about if we prejudge somebody? Or we prejudge someone as a matter of practice, and, and perhaps should we expect any different from God prejudging us? You know, likewise, if we condemn others, if we apply that mercy and we apply grace to others, isn't that what we should expect from our God? That he will show that mercy and grace to us that we show to others. And we should rest a little bit easier if we do that, the way Jesus has called us. You see, when we take these words of Jesus and we don't place them in our lives, and we do not take them and put them in our lives, ultimately we're going to end up looking like this. Hey, John, I see that splinter in your eye, man. You need to stop with that sin you got, brother. You need to stop. Jerry, Jerry, what are you doing over there on your phone, man? What are you doing? Oh, you know, and we walk around like this and we get this tunnel vision because we got this plank in our eye. And I can see Rick splinter from where I'm at. You know, and, and we get so caught up like this. And this is, you think about the scripture. I, I got this plank in my eye, but man, I can see your splinter. Man, you need to do something about that splinter in your eye. But we walk around like this, casting judgment on other people. This is what we look like. You put this scripture in a visual, this is it. So something for you to think about during the week. Some of y'all may have a longer board two by four strapped to your eye. <laughs> I didn't want to bring a big one because I didn't want to take out the front row. <laughs> but this is what we look like. And we need to grab a hold and we need to pull it out. We need to take this out of our own eye before we cast that onto somebody else. Because that's exactly what we look like. And when you look at this scripture, you think of back to John chapter 8 with the adulterous woman. Here they bring this adulterous woman in and they all want to stone her and they bring Jesus. Well, what should we do? And he says, let him who has no sin cast the first stone. And then he starts writing or drawing on the ground and everyone starts dropping their stones and leaving. But how many times will we be the one casting that stone? Man, I, boy, she needs to be stoned. I'm going to pick up a rock and hit somebody with it. Well, we got this plank in our eye, and we're so quick to just point out whatever someone else is going through. And unfortunately, that's what we do. I do that. And I know if I do that, we all got to do that. But I really doubt you guys do that because you're better Christians than me, right? No? All right, whew, I'm glad I'm not alone here. <laughs> you even think about the story of David and Bathsheba. David sleeps with Bathsheba, he gets her pregnant. And now he's trying all these different things to get out of it. You know, bring the husband back, try and get the husband to go sleep with the wife. So, oh, it's your baby, not my baby. And he goes through all this. And ultimately, when it doesn't work, what's he do? He gets Uriah killed. Sends him out to the heaviest part of the battle and tells the troops to step back. So he gets killed. And, and all of this keeps leading up. And then Nathan comes to David. And in 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 7, he says this. There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. 
The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for, one who had, for the one who had come to him. Wow. <laughs> David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay all for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Nathan said to David, you are the man. You understand the concept of that story or the point of it? it uh, see, it's very easy for us to be critical of other people. We can be so critical of others. All the while that the problem maybe lies with us. Maybe we're the ones who actually have the problem and, and, and we're just being critical of other people. You know, what I found when people judging the most, most of what people judge us on is either something that they have a problem with, it's their own sin, their own hurt, their own hang, hang up or habit, or it's something that they're really not good at. So you're good at something, so they're going to pick on you with something that they're not good on, you know, and they're going to be critical about it. And it's interesting, I heard a story one time about this attorney years ago when he was a member of the school board. And he went inside this church, uh, went inside the classroom. And when he went inside the classroom, little Johnny was sitting there with a knife carving his name out on the desk. And the attorney like got so mad, like, what are you doing? You know, back when I was growing up, the boys, we would never, ever do anything to, to deface school property. And here you are carving your name on a desk. And the little boy was all upset. And a couple days later, a little boy happened to be in the basement of the school, and he come across an old desk. And on the desk, it said 1903, and it had six boys' names on it. The very first name was the attorney's. So the attorney found out, he came back, and he, he grabbed that desk, and he took the top off the desk, and he mounted it on the wall in his office. And people would ask him, hey, why do you have that mounted on the wall in your office? And he said, I keep that mounted here today as a reminder to be tolerant of what other kids do and what other people do. Because it's something that he forgot that he did himself. And how many times have we done something in our past and we forget about it? And then when we see someone do it, ooh, we get right up in their face. We're right up in their business. But yet we've done the same thing. We've done this. And maybe in life we're still doing it, but no one knows it. You know, we got this mask on when we come in front of people at church and, oh, this is who I am. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. How are you? But on the other side, you've got this dark side about you, but you're going to judge someone because of that. And we all get caught up doing that. We need to judge ourselves before we judge someone else. 
We need to look inside before we look at someone else because often we're very ill-equipped to point out someone else's faults. We're ill-equipped to point out someone else's faults because we got our own faults with us and we can be deceived way too often. Now, something that was interesting as I was looking at all this and it really struck me odd. As I said earlier, there's only one person who could judge who was sinless on this earth and that was Jesus, Right? How come Jesus let himself get judged? You know, Jesus let himself get judged. He let himself get judged to die on a cross for us. But yet he talks all about do not judge. Do not judge. Do not judge. Do not do this. But yet he allowed himself to be judged. In a prophetic passage written in Isaiah, about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Isaiah looked ahead at the judgment Jesus would go through. And he said this in Isaiah 53, 7 through 8. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment and who considered his fate for he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. Christ was the only one in the story in John chapter eight that could have cast a stone. He's the only one who could have cast a stone. He's the only one worthy to judge both the living and the dead. And he was judged in our place. He was judged in our place. Romans 5 8 puts it this way. But God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for He died the, the sinner's death for us. In 2 Corinthians 5:21 says it this way: He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We've got to think about that. We've got to ponder that and let that really sink into our life as we walk through these days. And, and, and think about this. Why did Jesus allow himself to be judged? Why did he allow himself to be judged? He allowed himself to be condemned. He allowed himself to take on our judgment. He was sinless. And he took on our sin. He took on our judgment to become sin for us. And of course, he did that so that we, as believers in Jesus, could be made right with God. So that the day we stand in front of him of judgment, Jesus will say, uh-uh, he's mine. This one's mine. And he will stand in our place, even with the sins that we've had in our life. He will stand in our place. He took the sinner's death for each one of us. You know, the only one that was truly able to judge anyone allowed himself to be judged. Thank you for your mercy and your grace because we don't deserve it. But yet we will stand up and judge somebody in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Well, we'll use Matthew 7, 1, don't judge me. Only God can judge me. 
I think if Jesus was here speaking today, he would tell us, don't pridefully condemn others if you're not willing to humble your, to be humble about your own faults. Instead, keep pointing each other and yourselves towards the Father in love. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. When we see a brother or sister in Christ going the wrong way, we're supposed to do it humbly with love and grace. How many times have we stood as judge and jury to one of our brothers and sisters in Christ? How many people have left the church because they have been judged by the church? We accept people just the way they are. Every week I say it, we're messed up, we're jacked up, but we're loved. Welcome to the family. Because none of us are perfect, none of us will ever be perfect till we see Jesus face to face. But there are some of us who will walk around and we will have this in our face and we don't see it. We will judge others in a heartbeat, even brothers and sisters in Christ. Take the plank out of your own eye. Take it out. Take it out before you even think of looking at that splinter or that piece of dust in someone else's eye. Do a self-examination before you go to judge someone. Make sure you're right first and that your heart is in a humble place. Because if it's not, turn around and walk away. Don't do it. Go back. Take some time in prayer. Humble yourself and then go back up and do it with love. Don't be the judge. Don't be the judge because you're not. I'm not, you're not. We're to love and care for each other. You know, and understand that this isn't just some free accountability to tell us, okay, well, I won't say anything. It says, don't judge or I'll be judged. That's a cop out. That's a cop-out. Don't take it as, I shouldn't say nothing because God said don't judge. And if that's what you got out of the message, you need to listen again. Because that's not what it's about. Understand the opposite is true. We need to hold ourselves to a high standard of personal integrity. We need to hold ourselves up. We need to be self-aware of humility that, that leaves us with little incentive to look down on others. Because none of us should look down on anybody in life. None of us should look down. I don't care if you're six foot nine and a person's four foot. Get down and get eye level or pick them up. One of the two. (laughs) Need to be eye level with anyone. And when we point out the sins of others, realize you may just be projecting your own sin onto them. Because we're so quick to, man, I, I see it. Meanwhile, guess what? I probably have the same sin in my own life. And that's a lot of times what you find out. We've seen in the past, it's been in the news and everything else, you've seen pastors get fired for having affairs. You've seen pastors get fired for this, that, or anything else. And then what's funny is the people who did the firing later comes out that they were having an affair at the same time. So yet they cast judgment on someone else for something they were doing. And how many times do we do that? 
How many times do we cast judgment? Because Lord knows I can see my sin in somebody else because I know what my sin is. I can see it very easily when someone else is doing it. And there is nothing better. It's, oh, John, I'm just picking on you all day. John, <laughs> I see it in your brother. I see that hurt. I see that hang up. I see that happen in your life. All the while, I may have the same thing. But I'm going to point it out to, on him instead of myself. Why? Because then I feel better. I, I feel better about myself. But is that really what I should be doing? No. That's not what I should be doing. I should be able to come alongside him and say, hey, John, dude, I'm right there with you. I've been in your shoes. I, I remember when I did that. Or, hey, you know, I, I've never done that, but, but I see, and, and what can I do to help you? It's a whole lot different. Than, you need to stop. See, I'm even looking down. That's pretty good. You need to stop, you know, but we'll do that. Or, you know, the other thing we do, hey, Chris, we need to pray for John. You know, John, John's got this hurt, hang up, and habit. We need to pray for him, all right? Okay, we're going to pray. And then I'll go over here. Hey, Bessie, we need to pray for John. And what am I doing? I'm gossiping. It's the same thing. I am casting judgment on him without doing it to his face. And as Christians, man, we're good at that, aren't we? Oh, bless their heart. We need to pray for so-and-so. Before you start saying we need to pray for so-and-so about something that's going on in their life, you may want to make sure it's not going on in your own life. And make sure you talk to that person with love and with mercy. It's not about trying to get yourself in this higher position. That's not what it's about. It's about being loving and caring and building the body of Christ because that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. And if we're trying to better our own reputation instead of building the body of Christ, you're here for the wrong reason. It's all about him. It's all about him. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. And you may, Pastor, I've been judged for a long time because of the things I've done in my life. I've done some bad things. I still got this hurt. I still got this hang up. I still got this habit. And, and, and I need to know this Jesus. Well, as I said, we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Every one of us still has sin in our lives. And every one of us continue to deal with it each and every day. You're not alone. I'm right with you. It's not a day go by that I don't sin. I get mad. I get upset. I get judgmental. You're not alone. I do the same thing. But thank God we get forgiveness through him. It says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's that easy. Now the hard part is when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you go out, the world's the same. Your family's the same. The people you hung out with were still the same. So if you've got some hurt, you got some hang up, or you got some habit and you're trying to get over it, you might need to change your friends. You might need to change the people you hang around. 
because you're going to be changed and they're not. And they will drag you right back into that sin that was in your life. Get connected with a Celebrate Recovery and AA, uh, uh, NA, whatever it may be. Get connected somehow. And if you don't know where to, come up here and, and we'll let you know. I'll provide you with some information. But the first step is accepting Jesus. And maybe you're here and you just realize, man, I'm judgmental, Pastor. I've been judging you ever since you've been here for a year. <laughs> Don't worry, I've been judging myself. <laughs> or maybe you're just very judgmental and you judge other people. And maybe you just need to come up and say, Lord, teach me not to judge. Give me that love, give me that mercy, that compassion that you've shown me that I can show to others. And if you judge, well, it's not me. I don't do that. You might want to come up here because it probably is. Probably is. And I don't know what it is. If you just need some prayer, you need to talk. I'll be off to the side. Whatever it is, you can leave it here at the altar. You can stay where you're at. If you've joined us online and you need prayer, go ahead and send us a prayer request. You got the number on your screen that you can send a prayer request to. Go ahead and text us a prayer request so that we can pray for you also. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today as judgmental. Lord, we're all guilty at some way or another. Lord, I ask that you touch our hearts and, and fill us with your love, your peace, and your mercy. So, Lord, as, as we see that splinter in someone else's eye, that we'll pull that plank out of ours. And, Lord, that instead of being the final judge and jury, which we know you will be, that we will be that loving and caring brother and sister in Christ to those we come in contact with. And, Lord, that we will help give the good, the good news to them. And Lord, that we will steer them in the right direction instead of the wrong direction with our judgment. And Lord, if there's anyone here who's been judging, Lord, I ask you to show it to them. Show them where they have been judgmental and give them the strength to get past it so that they may glorify you and build your kingdom. And Lord, we love you, we honor you, we praise you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.